In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Yes, Bulldog Nation, January 2022 is not a dream. In this moment, man, we just won a national championship. It has finally happened. Georgia is indeed the best football team in the country, and the impacts of this one championship will stretch far and wide. Welcome to the special audio roundtable from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Jay Black, and as you've been reading and will continue to read over the next few days, the AJC is doing a special six-part series to dig into what this championship means for the fans, the Georgia football program, the athletic department, recruiting, admissions to the university, and yes, even politics. You'll find all of our coverage on AJC.com in your e-paper, which is only for subscribers, and the front page of the newspaper on Sunday. But we've got so much to talk about that we could not fit into these stories, so I'm happy to bring on three of the people who handled this reporting. Chip Towers, our UGA beat writer, Tim Tucker, our sports business journalist, and our political insider, Greg Bluestein. And Chip, let's start with you. You've been there every step of the way. You live in Athens covering this football team. And we were both there for the parade and the celebration a couple of weeks ago. Has the classic city returned to normal yet? No, uh, it, it hasn't. And uh, I don't know that it will anytime soon. Um, you know, as we definitely get into in this series, there are far reaching effects of uh, an event such as this, uh, one that for Georgia hasn't taken place for four decades, which is which is really incredible when you think about it, because I, I think kind of lost in all of this is, you know, Georgia was good before it won the national championship. I mean, uh, it's consistency over decades, you know, going back to actually when I went to school there in the 1980s, Georgia never had the great Nadirs that you've seen it. It it really, even Alabama, yet it just could never break through. And finally breaking through was a big deal. And uh, I, I think it, that manifested itself no better than the parade to which you refer. You know, that doesn't happen everywhere. Greg Sankey talked about it uh, at the parade. He's, uh, he does these every year pretty much, you know, when there's an SEC national champion and they don't have a parade with a couple of hundred thousand people there uh, on a very cold day in January. So um, I thought that kind of spoke volumes. And, uh, you know, I really love the reporting that, both these guys did hear uh, Bluestein stuff on on the political effects, you know, uh, inside the state house and, and beyond was incredible. And and uh, nobody knows the business of sports better than Tim Tucker. So uh, we've got this thing covered from all sides and it's been fun. Yeah, Tim, and you and you were digging into how it feels and what it means for the fans, too. And I think the quote you got from 
Jeff Dantzler, who handles pre- and post-game call-in show duties for the Georgia Bulldog Radio Network. I, I really think that kind of frames this whole discussion. Uh, he told you that, quote, there is no way a national championship has ever meant more to a collegiate fan base than this one does to Georgia. No way. Yeah, and he um, he said that after spending several hours on the air listening to Bulldog Nation call in uh, in the hours after the game. They went off the air at 3 a.m. that morning. He said uh, we could have stayed on until 7, but I guess they were committed to go off at 3. And uh, he described the reaction in four categories, if I can remember correctly. He said relief, joy, euphoria, and thankfulness. And I think, obviously, the 41-year wait played into all of that. Uh, it, and and every, everyone I talked to really for the story, it was almost equal parts exhilaration and relief that, you know, they don't have to count off another year of how long it's been since 1980. They don't have to go into another stadium next fall and hear the opposing fans say, didn't y'all win a national championship one day? When was that? About 1980? So I think it, I think all of that played into the factors that we cover in this series, you know, why, why this has had such an outsized impact and will continue to emotionally, financially, in all the areas we wrote about, enrollment, uh, or maybe not enrollment, but applications uh, to the school, merchandise sales, I mean, Fanatics, which is the online retailer of team apparel and licensed merchandise, said that in the first 24 hours after Georgia won the championship, it sold more team merchandise than it had sold in the first 30 days after any previous national champion. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. been crazy. Yeah, it's my word. Greg, you're a proud uh, UGA grad. How much did you spend on Fanatics.com? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I am not surprised by that because I was in Indianapolis and walking back in the six-degree weather to our cars, <laughs> they, you know, the, the, the um, sports uh, merchandising companies had rented out empty storefronts just to sell all sorts of schlocky, you know, first-run material. And there were lines of Georgia fans out in the freezing cold weather around the bend waiting to line up. And look, these guys, Tim and Chip, you know, they cover the team, so they can't really be fans, right? Um, it's part of the job. You've got to cover it objectively. But I cover politics, so I can be a fan of Georgia. Nice. And the fun part of, of, of this for me is, you know, for a dozen years, ever since I was working for the Associated Press, I've had the opportunity to be on the sidelines for, for many big games because I do what they call running photos, which is after every big play, I take the, it sounds old fashioned, but I take the photo chip from the photographer's cameras, run them back to an editor, sometimes edit them myself or ingest them myself and then run back. So it's, it's, it's some work, but you sent, you end up watching most of the game, maybe 85% of the game. And I got to do that um, for this game and just being on the sidelines, watching Georgia win. I mean, tears came to my eyes. Um, I had friends who were outright weeping and bawling. And as we mentioned in the story, it is something that is the rare, is the rare thing that unites both parties. I mean, red and black overcomes red and blue. Would you ever spend $63,000 on a field suite like you saw a Republican state representative Casey Carpenter do? <laughs> yeah, that's Casey. He's a character. Um, he's, he's a very successful restauranteer up in, in, in Dalton. Uh, I, I would hope go so. Yeah, I always go to his restaurants, and I think you know I think he sold off some of the seats to his to his friends. But no, he he probably he probably took a lot of that expense under his own under his own pocket. But look, I mean, this was a game where I was I was pleading with my friends, the the ones who were worried about coronavirus and everything else. I said, look, you will not regret 
going to this game. Um, I had to convince both my brothers. Really, one brother was harder than the other. But my, one brother lives in D.C., the other lives in, in Charlotte. And the one who lives in Charlotte, I said, no matter what happens, you're not, even if we lose, you're not going to regret going to this game. And, and I can honestly say that, that that Monday was one of the best days of my life because it wasn't just the game. It was I stayed in a, an Airbnb with 10 of my best friends. Then I hung out with my brothers um, for a few hours. And then me and uh, a group of 80 uh, of our friends rented out a, a brewery right near the, the stadium. I mean, the whole game, the whole day was amazing. And we didn't get that uh, for Georgia's last national championship run because it was over there, around the corner. And by the time everybody come off the high of the Rose Bowl, well, the football game was here, and it felt like the SEC championship game. But this, people had that experience, Greg, of of going to a totally different place, wearing clothes they don't normally wear because it was nine. Because it's freezing. And, and, and that big game feel, and then for it all to pay off uh, like that. Well, and that, well, that 2018 national championship game after the 2017 season – the Rose Bowl seemed like the highlight, right? I mean, it, you know, everyone was getting geeked up for the national championship game, but that day was it was rainy and cold, and President Trump was attended the game, which meant that there was horrible security lines, and a few of the gates were closed, and there wasn't that tailgating atmosphere at all outside. Nothing like uh, we experienced as cold as Indianapolis was. Nothing like we experienced um, a couple Mondays ago. I had a couple of uh, fans say to me also that they feel that at least from the fan psyche standpoint, and maybe one person theorized even the team being at a different venue, being in Indianapolis rather than Atlanta, where there was a history of, you know, disappointing finishes against Alabama uh, <laughs> may have really been a good thing. Uh, uh, a couple of fans said they just somehow felt more confident uh, not looking around and remembering what happened on that field. Uh, Second and twenty six, or uh, or in an SEC championship game, they got away. Or I don't know, Chip may. I don't know if Chip thinks there's anything to that or not. Well, no, I, I do. I was I was going to say a couple of things on on this front, alluding to what uh, Greg said. Well, you know, number one, I, I do think that it it made a difference that it was out of town like that. I mean, you know, first off, it manifested itself in the fact that it was sixty five percent Georgia. I mean, it kind of showed who who cared about it the most, right? Who bothered to come? The stories that I didn't get to, I did a few stories ahead of time about travel plans and that kind of stuff. Um, what I found out after the fact, the spontaneity that how many people decided on Sunday night, we're going, I don't care, let's go, let's get in the car. <laughs> you know, there were people that didn't sleep for 72 hours and drove. Uh, fortunately, I haven't heard about that many accidents but uh, I don't want to offend anybody's sensibilities when it comes to COVID or anything, but I can't tell you how many people I heard that said they came back sick, right? And, and it's yeah. not surprising. We, we know at this point how this virus works. It's nine degrees outside. And so they had all these outdoor venues set up. Nobody's hanging out at the outdoor venues. They're packing into the bars, you know, and, and standing next to each other. And of course, at the end of it, and I will never forget this. I mean, the, the the montages people put together, the video montages of the reactions, whether you were at home, in a bar, at the stadium, grown men crying, strangers hugging each other, people falling over, things breaking. Uh, it was incredible. And then, as Greg alluded to, the people lining up to buy stuff in the middle of the night, 
I, I saw the most hilarious interview by Jeff Foxworthy, who's a huge fan, who actually went to Georgia Tech, is a huge Georgia fan, and talked about him and his brother driving back to Louisville where they stayed and just sitting up till 4 and 5 a.m. and re-watching the game and watching the highlights. There's been that kind of buzz, uh, you know, the tremors afterward that, that's, that are still going. You know, here we are two, three weeks, three weeks later. And Chip, and you noticed in your story a couple of things that Kirby Smart said, how he handled it, and the interview that ESPN did with him the morning after the game. It was peaceful. I mean, it was not until about 4 a.m. when I got back to the room with my wife and we laid down to go to bed, and it started to sink in, you know, over a 1,000 texts. And uh, it was like, am I going to wake up tomorrow and this is going to be real or did this not really happen? And I got to play tomorrow. (laughs) You know, this is a dream. And uh, it probably reminded me of when I got the job because it was such a high moment for me when I got the job. And I was like, man, I'm the head coach at Georgia. And it's a little bit that way in this moment man, we just won a national championship. And what it means to finally bring that trophy back home to Athens? I've spent a lot of my years. I got married in Athens, spent five years in Athens, have been in Athens the last six. To bring that home to Athens is uh, it's what I wanted to do for the university and what I want to continue to do. So it, it, it'll mean a lot, and uh, hopefully it'll help us get some more good recruits too. Chip, that's a, we've been around Kirby a lot the last six years. That's a different Kirby. Yeah, and the, the the phrase that keeps coming into my mind is weight lifted. Yeah, you know it, it, it's interesting because the thing about Kirby, you know, it's everything he he does everything with a purpose, and so most of that that is about as authentic of an interview as you can get. And it, you know, you would he's had zero sleep. It's the morning afterward. He's talking to to Reese Davis and just the two of them in a quiet studio, and. um you know, I thought there was a lot of truth in that. And, you know, leading up into it, we asked him all year, do you feel any pressure to finally win it? You know, he used to say pressure is a privilege and the 41 year wait. But I think when you, when you found out in the 12 to 24 hours afterward that it, 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 it was truthfully a weight lifted. And it's, I don't think it's the weight really necessarily if it's been 41 years Uh, Now, I do think he feels a little bit of the weight. All these donors, you know, Kirby is a he's a politician. He's a salesman. He's asked for people to he's a businessman invest in Georgia because we're going to make this happen. And so there was a lot of work that went into facilities turning around. He never takes a breath without thinking about recruiting. And so when you're constantly pulling like that, a constant pull, that was about as much as he stopped pulling for a second and said, yeah, this is good. And uh, of course he mentioned recruiting and listen, the three weeks that I haven't talked to him since then. I mean, I reached out to him for these stories that we did. Not surprising. Couldn't get him. You know, it's that you don't get a lot of one-on-ones with Kirby. Um, And I didn't get one here, but I mean, he's been on the road recruiting nonstop. And part of me, you know, part of me is like, well, what do you, you've, you've got a full class already. I don't know that you can get any more squeeze any more in for the class of 22, but that's not it. He's, he's working on 23, most of this. And, um, you know, the guy's relentless. And so to see that come through, you got to just from a, uh, work ethic appreciation standpoint, um, you know, I, I got to tip my cap to the guy and uh, 
And I, I wouldn't, I do think, I don't think it's the last of it. You know, we'll just skip to the chase on that. I mean, I, I do think Georgia will contend in the very new near future and, and, and possibly this coming season. Yeah, Georgia's been constantly described as a sleeping giant. Well, the big fella's up now. So how does this change the perception of Georgia football and the, the, the expectation and the standard? Well, I'll take that one first because that was kind of my assignment for the series we did is, is primarily, and I actually didn't get exactly where I wanted to go on this story because I, I kind of thought about reaching out to some sports psychologists and stuff, and I didn't. But, but primarily, doubt is replaced with belief. And I did talk to different people, and uh, Buck Blue was one of them, the quarterback of the 1980 team. And listen, that that group that won the national championship in 1980, they're still frustrated that they didn't win it in 81 and 82. They, they believe they had the best team in the country, which comes back around to the best teams don't always win. Uh, Kirby made an interesting comment in that very interview. I think you were – no, it might have been another interview we had with him afterward – that he's not sure that the team that won it this year in 2021 was his best team. Uh, it, he he alluded to the fact the team that lost to Alabama and didn't even make it in the playoffs in 2018 might have been the best team that, they, that they've put on the field yet. And yet the best team doesn't always win. A lot of things have to go right to do it. So to answer your question, you've done it now. And, you know, maybe we'll get around to the Stetson Bennett uh, thing eventually, but I don't think it's a small thing that the starting quarterback for the national championship team is coming back. Why? Because you know he can do it. You know he has done it. The players in the locker room and the coaches in the coaches' offices know that he's done it, and they know how to do it. And I think that's a huge first piece. So immediately, I think Georgia believes now. They've all. It's been a um, a dream that they have sold before now but but now it's a reality that they can build on yeah and, and it's it's like that uh, i know those sec shorts twitter videos are are are, are silly and, and 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 entertaining but the message in that one that came out with uh, greg's buddy after the game hope is you don't have to hope anymore you know you can do it no you're exactly right um for 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 you know georgia hadn't won a national championship in my entire lifetime um, I went to school. I graduated in 04 at the beginning of the Mark Richt era. And it was all everyone could talk about was re- reclaiming those glory days. And that's why the SEC shorts videos kind of resonated with the fan base in a way that I haven't really seen before because it hit right, hit the nail on the head with, with hope. You know, Georgia's been so close, tantalizingly close um, season after season. 2017 was, of course, you know, the the um, the real heartbreaker, but there was 2018 and 2012. There's so many other seasons where um, it seemed like we were on the precipice of a championship and, and didn't quite get there. And the, those hope videos nailed it. And uh, it was really cool to have the entire SEC shorts team come to our tailgate. So we had, we had a lot of fun with really? that. We took a lot of pictures with hope in the gang uh, a couple hours before the gang. They, they, they were cold. Hope was wearing her, um, her winter jacket, but it was still uh, it, it still didn't cover cover up entirely, and so it was 16 degrees outside of the at the time. So she stayed at our tailgate for about two hours. Tim, what are what are Georgia people and, and, and like Atlanta sports fans going to do now? Because uh, they have like a whole new identity to get used to with all these riches that have been bestowed upon our town. Yeah, it's crazy, um, and that hasn't been lost. on a lot of Georgia Bulldogs fans are Braves fans, uh, 
probably the two most avidly followed teams in the state year after year. Uh, the two teams also that have had the most sustained stretch of success, at least in the regular season over the decades. Uh, yet, until three months ago, the Braves hadn't won a World Series in 26 years, and Georgia hadn't won a national championship in 41 years. And then suddenly, in the span of, what, 70 days, uh, both happen. Uh, and I think uh, I think a lot of uh, fans who are still pinching themselves about what the Braves did see it happen again. And it's uh, I, I do think for uh, uh, you know there there are there are obviously fans that one championship means more to than the other does, but there are a lot of people, and some of whom I talked to for this series, uh, who are who are almost equally invested in the two teams. Uh, you know, Braves season ticket holders, Georgia season ticket holders, or uh, people who grew up uh, watching the Braves on TBS and going with their families to Georgia games. Uh, there's so much of that, and and they they suffered through droughts with both championship droughts with both teams, and to have uh, I think that the only way I can really describe it is a lot of them they're just kind of beside themselves that what happened in in 70 days, and um, you know it's a little bit unfortunate on the Braves standpoint. The it's the story we're probably going to do next week that they had a month to to celebrate it, and then the MLB lockout hit and everything just stopped. You know, there's it's like the players can't make team appearances. Uh, uh, but um, anyway, it's, that's something we're going to kind of talk to people about is is how much that has broken the momentum from the Braves championship. But there's nothing to break the uh, momentum like that from the Georgia championship. And Jordan Davis at the, at the celebration in Athens really kind of connected the two uh, really well. And it wasn't surprising that drew uh, one of the bigger ovations of the day when he uh, – lifted his Georgia windbreaker to reveal the Braves jersey. Of all the things I expected to happen on that day, the tomahawk chop uh, breaking out in Sanford Stadium with 80,000 people was not on the list, Right, uh, but that was that was uh, quite a moment. And do want to quickly remind you that your subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution funds our journalism and allows us to do projects like this and put things into bigger perspective. But if you're not a subscriber, we'd love for you to join the community. Go to subscribe.ajc.com today and get your first month of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. So try us out where you'll feel confident that you will love what you read. That is subscribe.ajc.com. Now, Eric Sturgis, who covers higher education uh, for us, has also had a role in this series, and he told us that the UGA bookstore had a million dollars worth of sales in the first few days after the title, and that eight of the last ten national champions in basketball and football have had an increase in applications to the university. Same thing had happened with UGA in 1981. Our Mike Griffith from DogNation.com has also been following how this is going to affect the athletic department, and there's going to be a lot of money thrown around here. First of all, Ken... Uh, anybody wish to name a three-digit number that uh, is going to be at the end of Kirby Smart's contract by the time we get around to uh, next September? I'll I'll address that one a little bit. You know, I've I've been hesitant to broach the subject because you know it's one of those it's an ongoing negotiation. You can't get anybody to talk on the record, but I, I'll, I'll put it here first, Jay. Everybody knows that Mel Tucker, who worked for for uh, Kirby Smart. Briefly, is now the head coach at Michigan State. Got a huge raise to nine point five million dollars a year um, with one lucky win over Michigan. We, exactly, the team that Georgia annihilated in the Orange Bowl. Um, 
you know, Mel Tucker is represented by the same agent that uh, ah. Kirby Smart is, Jimmy Sexton. So you can start at nine oh five, nine point five, and go up from there. Kirby makes seven point one million dollars right now. So I'm I'm going to predict, and this is this is a, a hypothesis, but uh, you know, I do believe it, it it is based in some facts. Uh, that 10 years would be the number. That's what you saw Lincoln Riley get. Most national championship coaches get the benefit of a 10-year contract, and I, I expect it to exceed $100 million. So, uh, I, And I would guess that typically in a G- Jimmy Sexton uh, contract, they, they elevate in increments uh, yearly. So I, I actually worked it out just myself. Uh, I, I'm guessing, and we'll, we'll put it on the record here, and we'll see. 10 years, 10 years, $123 million is probably waiting for Kirby Smart on the other side of this. And, um, you know, I think Georgia will be able to afford it. Well, and he'll be able to afford another lake house at Lake Oconee, sure. or maybe even the entire lake. Um, the, the, other, the other financial aspect of this is going to be the money that comes in to pay Kirby's salary from what really, Tim, has been an impressive lightning speed organization to stick that national championship logo on any possible thing that you can attach it to. How, how does that process go and, and how much is Georgia going to really uh, benefit from that? Oh, I think that'll be one of the, uh, uh, one of the bigger revenue streams that increase because of this is the sale of uh, licensed merchandise, which, uh, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, uh, you know, a chunk of Georgia's uh, athletic revenue every year comes from sales of officially licensed merchandise. And I mean, I mentioned what happened in the first 24 hours after the game, but that's just the start. You know, there's uh, they're going to be selling merchandise uh, on campus, online, uh, uh, stores all over the state um, uh, all year. And um, certainly into the fall, there'll be another spike. So I think really, when you think about it, Ticket sales uh, can't really go up because they sell out the stadium already. Donations can certainly go up, and people may be even more motivated to donate. But I tell you, they have, as Chip knows and has reported on, uh, they have raised so much money since Kirby has been there for facilities. It's it's hard to imagine gaining a lot more momentum there uh, just because of what a high bar they've set already. But Licensed merchandise sales will be. Uh, I think. Uh, I think in one of the stories in this series, it may have been in Mike Griffith's story. He quoted uh, Greg McGarity, the former AD, saying that he believes that will be the single biggest, you know, revenue generator out of this championship. We've got a couple of things to sell you too, by the way. If you still got some walking around money and have not done so, special book from the Atlanta Journal Constitution chronicling the Dogs Championship called Top Dogs. You can get that at triumphbooks.com slash Georgia Wins. Got a hardback edition too, by the way. And also, we are selling extra copies of our front pages, and we've also got special frames and plaques of those. You can go to AJC.com slash dogs news to pick that up as well. Greg. Is this really going to uh, change anything in, in, in Georgia politics? I know you had the, the antidote from uh, Stacey Evans, a powerful Democrat, that says she's, uh, she's hugged uh, more Republicans in the last uh, month than she probably ever has in her entire life. Will this like actually bring our very divided state even somewhat closer together? Maybe a little bit. It, really what it did was it gave us a brief respite, uh, you know, a, a pause from the really acrimonious political season that we're already in the middle of, right? David Perdue and Brian Kemp are fighting with each other in the Republican primary. And Herschel Walker, the former UGA great, is, is leveraging his his ties to the team and his, well, really his 
his his stardom with the team in nineteen in the nineteen eighties, leading the team to a national championship back then. Brian Kemp might be the biggest diehard UGA football fan of them all. He lives in Athens, and he is such a fan that when Democrats wanted to get under his skin in two thousand eighteen during the campaign, they flew a banner above Sanford Stadium that said Brian Kemp says Go Vols the day of the Tennessee game. So that just tells you what a, what a huge fan he is. He wore a red and black tie to his State of the State address, and he he made a, a what I I think would be maybe the biggest bipartisan. Um, easiest unanimous vote uh, of the session, which was he said he would suggest a resolution to make the national championship game on a weekend rather than a Monday so that we all weren't so groggy the rest of the week uh, after coming back from Indianapolis or cheering them on wherever you were. And look, even even Georgia Tech fans. Um, Ken Shakura did a great story a couple weeks ago that I just kind of expounded on in, in my piece. But, you know, David Perdue, Andre Dickens, Jeff Duncan, these are all very powerful Georgia politicians who all went to tech and who all put aside uh, their 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 yellow jacket fandom for at least a you know day or a week or so um, to uh, to root on the Georgia Bulldogs. Something Chip said earlier about Kirby Smart really really struck home to me because you know call them a, co- a great coach and a motivator, but also a politician, and, and that's really one of the strengths of Kirby Smart. He's been able to make ties with Democrats and Republicans at the state house when he comes to the Capitol to, to address the Georgia legislature, there's longer lines than any, any celebrity you'd see, you know, lines out the door to take pictures with them. I, I had a chance to talk to Senator, former Senator David Perdue, a, a tech graduate, as I mentioned. And he said, you know, Kirby Smart called me the biggest closet dog fan there was. <laughs> now he's out of the closet, so to speak. But, um, you know, politicians are, are, are impressed at the way he's motivated um, his team and 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 organized around. It's a lot like a political campaign: building up, getting volunteers, getting donors, um, uh, commanding attention, uh, recruiting assets, all that sort of thing. There are parallels uh, to politics, of course. And of course, you know, rather than getting votes, it's getting wins <laughs> on the board. And that politician skill that Kirby has clearly helps him in recruiting, uh, which is the angle that uh, Jeff Sintel from DogNation.com is handling for us that comes out on Saturday. But, Chip, it's not like Kirby hasn't had a problem bringing in five stars. How does how does winning this change that dynamic? Yeah, you know, that that is an interesting dynamic, as you mentioned, because you could hardly recruit better than Kirby Smart has the past five years. And I'm sure Jeff – Sintel will break this down in his story. Uh, I should have committed it to memory by now, but I know there's been at least two number one ranked classes, maybe three in the last five, and they've all been top four classes. And, and you know, sometimes it, even Kirby will downplay recruiting rankings. But, hey, listen, it's not it, – it, there's a little bit of a science to it nowadays. I mean, it's much more sophisticated because the best players in the country – and to be clear, this is who Kirby is recruiting. They start getting quantified very early, you know, as as freshmen, uh, the summer between their freshman and sophomore year and sophomore and junior year. Um, you have a much more sophisticated idea who some of the best players in the country are. Now, look, it's still not science because you have guys like Lad McConkey. Uh, who end up being a starter on a national championship team, and Stetson Bennett, a walk-on, who ends up being, you know, leading uh, a team to a national championship. But at the end of the day, it's still about, 
you know, those five stars, particularly on the line of scrimmage, that make a difference. And that's where Georgia has been the last several years. I mean, you just look at the, the defensive line. I mean, that's that's probably the biggest separator of of all the teams out there, including Alabama, is who Georgia had playing on the defensive line. Now, Jordan Davis was a three-star out of there. But let me tell you, I mean, Georgia pursued him with extreme vigor. Uh, I remember because I did the next generation story on Jordan Davis for Dog Nation when I was working full-time over there with them. And, um, you know, I went to meet him in Charlotte and, you know, instantly, you know, I, I realized, wow, you legitimately are six foot six, which he corrected me. He had a he had one of those uh, updos on on the top of his head then as a young guy. And he said, well, actually, I'm six, eight, you know, with this right here. He was so funny <laughs> even then. And, uh, uh, you know, but that the recognition of talent uh, is a side of and, and the roster management side of things is probably Kirby Smart's strongest coaching uh, uh, um, uh, ability is being able to uh, judge at 16 and 17 who's going to be really good at 20 and 21. Now, it wouldn't be Georgia football, even in this time, with a little bit of drama. We've had a little bit of drama in the last couple of weeks uh, with Stetson Bennett choosing to return. He paired with Coach Munkin really well. Coach Munkin is a great play-action shot guy. That's what Stetson does best. Um, and that complemented our football team because our offensive weapons outside and the ability to play-action, run the ball, and throw the ball helped us tremendously. But I'll never doubt my gut in that he was a winner and a leader and a really special player. And, again, that's from ESPN. Chip, what percentage of Georgia fans do you think he's won over now? Well, I, I think it's a lot more than you would think. Um, you know, the social media, I, I think, can mislead you a little bit. Uh, they call it the vocal minority, and I think that's definitely the case. So if you if you just went by the Twitterverse, which I spend a lot of time on, um, you, you would think the majority of Georgia people don't want to see him coming back. But I think the the vast majority of fans, number one, and who couldn't like this story? I mean – this is an incredible story. I mean, you know, everybody knows that. But, I mean, this just doesn't happen anymore uh, in this world, especially we're talking about the recruiting that, that Kirby Smart does. Yeah, Todd Munkin actually said uh, to us in an interview before the Orange Bowl, admitted we undervalued Stetson Bennett, you, you know, and, and it wasn't until they were kind of forced to put him in there that they realized, yeah, you know, we can do a lot with this. I mean, you know, the the quarterback run game came alive. The zone read game came alive. And listen, I don't want to sit here and bore our listeners with, uh, you know, advanced statistics uh, such are out there. But, you know, the narrative that, that Stetson Bennett can't throw the ball and can't throw the ball deep is just absolutely wrong. Uh, he outpaced every quarterback in the country, every quarterback in the playoffs in particular, on passes of 20-plus yards. And that's because of everything he brings to the table. So, obviously, you know where I stand on it. I, he's won me over. I mean, the beginning of the year, I was writing about JT Daniels. Everybody was. And it was a reason that Georgia was considered a national championship contender because now they are set at quarterback with a former five-star coming in there. Who'd have thought it turned out like it did? Who, yeah. You know, that JT Daniels got hurt and this guy ends up 
in the saddle. And then all year, the narrative was, well, you can't, you can't win with a quarterback like that. You know what? Yeah, you can. And he's coming back. And it remains a divisive topic on the fringes, all right? Not in the heart of Georgia. I think in the heart of Georgia. I mean, they're throwing a parade this weekend, Sunday, in Blackshear. It's Stetson Bennett Day. And I will not be surprised at all if there ends up being a statue somewhere in that town for Stetson Bennett. And, and there deserves to be because it's just it's an incredible story. The most efficient quarterback in the history of Georgia football is Stetson Bennett. Right, right. Number, number one, broke Aaron Murray's record this year. Tim, are you surprised, though, that, that more Georgia fans aren't like, hey, we won the national championship in Kirby, I trust. I don't care. Georgia's the champs. Start whoever you want at quarterback. You do what you think is right. No, I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> that would uh, – that would go against uh, well, it'd go against the nature of sports fans in general. Certainly against SEC fans, and certainly against uh, nature of Georgia fans. And you know, I, uh, you know, while I know uh, some of the players and uh, uh, perhaps some of the coaches get annoyed at time by, uh, and I know Stetson Bennett has said some things to indicate, uh, you know, some annoyance at some of the things that uh, uh, that were out there. Uh, you know that that's that's the that's the trade off for having such an invested fan base. I think. I mean, you know, yep. you just can't have it both ways. You can't have uh, uh, the passion to donate lots of money and fill the stadium and take over Notre Dame Stadium, et cetera, et cetera, and not also be very opinionated about everything. You know. So I know I'm not I'm not surprised uh, at all about that. Although. Um, Oh, I, I was interested in a comment Jeff Dantzler made uh, that's in uh, this in one of our stories uh, uh, where, and you know, he's he's as invested a Georgia fan as you'll ever find. Uh, and he said, I think there's a chance that uh, this will take a little bit of the edge off. Uh, uh, he said, I know I promised uh, my wife and uh, some of my closest friends that if we ever won a championship, I would try not to stress the next season until the Tech game. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he didn't promise he'd be able to achieve that, but he said, I'm going to try to live up to that. Uh, so, I, that- you know, I, I do think that maybe that uh, uh, not having that that weight of of four decades without a championship may, may lighten the mood a little bit. Well, that brings us to 2022, and Kirby knows it's hard to repeat. It doesn't get easier. I saw it, and I say it all the time, I saw it firsthand. It gets much, much tougher because the entitlement and complacency of we don't have to work to do this. Hey, it's human nature to want to relax and feel comfortable. That's what human nature says you should do. We've got to change that narrative. So sometimes you got to crank it up a little bit to get guys to understand that. I'm not afraid to do that, and neither is our staff. I want to ask if Georgia repeats because that's hard, but does Georgia make it back to the playoff in 2022? Chip? Well, I, I think, uh, they're, again, they're going to benefit from the Eastern Division being down. And if you look at the the schedule for this year, it almost mirrors last year's schedule, I think. Uh, Georgia's going to be uh, not only a favorite, but maybe a double-digit favorite in every game. And they open with Oregon in um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So that tells me that they'll be in the SEC championship game. And if you're in – nowadays, if you're in the SEC championship game – you, you're, you've got a shot. All you got to do is win there and you're, everything else is a possibility. 
Thank everybody for doing this. And a quick reminder that you can read our six-part series, What the National Championship Means for Georgia, on AJC.com. AJC.com slash sports in the e-paper, which is only for subscribers and the Sunday newspaper. So for Chip, Tim, and Greg, I'm Jay Black. Thanks for listening to this special audio roundtable from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song the celebration the atlanta journal constitution presents hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the south a southern hip-hop store we always go back to that moment of the source awards everybody wants a rhythm but they don't want your blues the biggest names in hip-hop atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop 50 years no one can deny one film the power of the south now the south got something to say streaming now at ajc.com hip-hop Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.